It's Monday, February 7th, 2022. I'm Ben Bowden, and you're listening to <clears throat> Simple Rhythms. Simple Rhythms is a daily podcast aimed to give you a simple and steady diet of God's Word and to help us all prepare for this upcoming Sunday's sermon. Today we're doing something a little different today. Instead of on Friday uh, taking a question or talking about uh, you know this, that, and other, we're doing a sermon talkback on today, this Monday, and I've got uh, two interns with us, an associate pastor with us, Caleb Wimberly, Bobby Smith, and Charles Doty. Gentlemen, how you doing? Doing well, Ben. Yeah, excellent. I'm doing very well, thank you. All right. Well, we're going to do a sermon talk back because we're in the middle of Leviticus. As we know, Leviticus can be somewhat confusing. It can seem a little primitive and obscure and, um, and obscene. And yet, as I've been making the point, I think as many make the point, um, Jesus was into Leviticus. Paul was into Leviticus. Many uh, have been into Leviticus, and we need to be into Leviticus. We just have to rightly understand it. And so uh, today, um, or yesterday, we talked about chapters 1 through 7. We talked about sacrifice. We talked about these offerings and I started out with making like a preliminary point saying sacrifice is inevitable. So I got some thoughts on this. Uh, didn't get to kind of tease out everything, but uh, I, 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 I quoted David Foster Wallace, who said that everybody worships. And then I built on that saying, if that is true, which I believe it is, and I believe the Bible teaches that. If that is true, then everyone sacrifices. So if everyone worships, everyone sacrifices. And uh, therefore, everybody in our society, no matter if they feel like they're religious or irreligious or somewhere in between, they're always worshiping, they're always sacrificing. Caleb, what, what do you make of that? What, tell me your thoughts. We were having a conversation just a minute ago. You mm-hmm. said some good things about opportunity cost. Yeah, so it made me think about the economic category of opportunity cost. Um, and just a quick definition that Siri gives me right here is an economic theory in which the, it says the opportunity cost of a particular activity is the loss of value or benefit that is incurred by engaging in that activity relative to engaging in an alternative activity that would offer a return of value or higher benefit. So in other words, uh, if you're making a decision and you've got a certain amount of money, um, you, you're going to be sacrificing something with that money. So you, you're going to take that money and you're going to invest in this or you're going to invest in that. And an investment in this means that you're having to say no to an investment in that. Or an investment in that means you're having to say no to an investment in this. And, uh, and so you're having to sacrifice something for the sake of a, what you believe is going to be a greater investment. And, um, and, and that's true, I think, when it comes to money and economics. But I think it's true with, with everything that God gives us. In fact... That's a principle for stewardship, and that's why stewardship is intrinsically tied to worship, and and worship is intrinsically tied to sacrifice. Hmm. And so, like, if, if I've got a calendar, I've only got a limited amount of time, and I can either do this or I can do that, and I'm going to invest in, which I think is going to bring me the greater benefit in the long run. If I've got a relationship, if I've got, a, uh, if I've got money, if I've got a career, if I've got a religion— um, I'm going to take that and I'm going to invest in this and I'm going to choose not to invest in mm. that. And whatever I choose to invest in, uh, I'm going to be sacrificing that for the sake of this. And whatever this is, is ultimately what I'm worshiping. 
Um, and, so good. And uh, and so that 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 just means that that I need to see Jesus and the Lord and service for Him in every area of my life and the church as the thing that's ultimately going to bring me the greatest return so that I'm willing to sacrifice that which will not bring me the greatest return so that I can receive the greatest return through good stewardship and sacrifice and worship and service to my Lord. That's that's kind of what I was thinking as you were yeah, that's working so through good. Leviticus well, 1 and, through 7. Yeah, when it, when it comes to sacrifice, that is the main reason why people simply just think Leviticus is, is so ir- irrelevant to us. And yet, we will always sacrifice something valuable, is what you're saying, uh, for something that we see or understand or perceive as more valuable. Mm -hmm. And this is why I was making the point, I think I made it at both services, but there is a confessional God that doesn't always line up to our functional God. So the confessional God is who we confess. So every churchgoer says that Jesus is Lord, right? Mm. I mean, I'd, most, just about every, we say with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, but Romans 10, 9 says believe in your heart also. And there is a, there is a distinction there. And, and our actions, this is why, you know, Jesus said you'll know them by their fruit. Our actions are, do we actually function in that way? Because it's easy to give lip service to say that Jesus is Lord, but do we really see him as the great treasure, the greatest mm-hmm. treasure that there mm-hmm. is? And so what it, I think where it comes on to roost or really reveals in a symptomatic way is what are we, are we willing to give up something valuable for, uh, for Jesus if we see him as the greatest treasure? I mean, G- mm-hmm. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found treasure in the field, went and in his joy sold all that he had so mm. he could buy the field and get the treasure. We we worship what we love. We love what we see as beautiful. Yeah, and where we see this in the text is the people are willing to bring their best bull, That's to right. sacrifice their best bull, because they know worship of the Lord is worth more than their best bull. That's right. That's how the opportunity calls play out in worship. And so when we're thinking, you know, in money, first fruits, but then also not only in money, but it, we talked about a calendar. Um, you know, we can confess, we, we say that church is important, but we're actually seeing it as of lesser value if we're willing to spend that time doing other things. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not serving the church, not co- gathering with the church. If we and so this is not a legalistic thing. It's just it's just like do we see? Do we really see this as valuable? Is it mm-hmm. ultimately valuable? As as um, as being, you know, that which is of supreme value. And that takes faith. Do we in faith see it as supremely mm-hmm. valuable? It might not look like it right now. It, it might look like, you know, spending uh, more Sundays on vacation than you spend worshiping or serving that it might seem like that's more valuable now but that's just because we're not looking with an eternal mindset to see that no actually serving and worshiping with the church is going to be more valuable in the end or filling your children's calendars is going to keep you from from having them you know in church more than dance or ball or whatever those activities are um it might appear that you're trying to invest in their best interest right now, mm-hmm. but, but that's because we're lacking the faith to have the long term to see, no, 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 it's actually going to be more valuable 
to sacrifice some of that yeah. so that we can, we can live for eternity. Because we recognize that uh, we're not under the old covenant temple anymore, but that doesn't mean we don't have a temple. And that the new covenant temple is the church, not brick and mortar, but the people of God gathered together in yep. covenant together yep. to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And if, if they went and worshiped at the temple with the bulls and the goats and the pigeons, then we go worship at the temple with our bodies as a living sacrifice. Mm. And that's the principle that God has, has started in the old, and now we see put forth in the new. It is interesting that modern people would say, we don't, we don't sacrifice. And yet, as uh, David Foster Wallace, I quoted him, and he's, uh, he was an agnostic. He said, everybody worships. There's no such thing as atheism. The, the only thing, uh, the, the only choice we get is what to worship. Not if we worship, but what we worship. And he says, the reason people usually choose to worship God is because anything else will pretty much eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, you will never have enough. You'll never feel like you have enough. Worship your own beauty, your own body, and set your own sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly, and when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you in the ground. Mm-hmm. I think that's so profound because... Um, there's no like you know traditional temples and altars in our society, or very few of them. Uh, but there's certainly altar of beauty, success, fame, toys, money, leisure, autonomy, peace, and peace. Yeah, just, yeah there's just, altar of peace. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff like that that we're willing to cash in on. Mm-hmm. We 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 throw everything at, and yet. It doesn't satisfy us. I love how you touched on that this morning. You uh, alluded to the fact that in our modern culture, we don't want to offend nobody, so we'll sacrifice portions of truth Hmm. on the altar of peace. I believe that was J.C. Rowell that actually said that. uh, that He got that from me. He got that from me. (laughs) (laughs) But if we're not careful, we can uh, definitely do that in um, in our ministerial lives as well as our family lives. Yeah, and that's true for people out there that doesn't worship Jesus in terms of, like, sacrificing whatever for whatever their God is. But, and, and, but some people might say, why do y'all preach about, like, uh, ball or dance or vacation or so much? Like, why, why, we got all these evil things out there in the world. Why do you spend so much time talking about that? Well, it's because, like, those people don't claim to follow Jesus. Like, they, they don't claim Jesus as Lord. Like, of course they're going to worship something else because they're a sinner that hasn't been saved by the gospel. It's our job— I believe primarily to shepherd those people who do claim to follow Jesus, and we want to help them primarily identify areas like 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 I have in my own life as well, where we're falling short of that, so we can grow together. Uh, I want to see those other people stop worshiping what they're worshiping and come to worship Jesus, but I'm not their pastor. All right, I, I want to pastor uh, the people who who claim to have Jesus as Lord and help them see how how you and I are prone to to not offer our bodies as living sacrifices like we should. Yeah. And that needs to be top priority. Yeah, part of shepherding is is helping people align their functional God with their confessional God. Mm, come on. So, um, Charles, Bobby, you guys are interns. Um, tell, us, tell us about uh, how's the internship going, and then talk to us about this sermon. Any, any I mean, this is sermon talkback, so... What kind of things come to mind? Anything that like just really sank in? Well, um, I love the fact how you um, brought up how messy sin was through the uh, sacrificial system. You know how it 
get you get blood all over. You got it on your shirt. You got it on your boots. They probably didn't have boots back then. But uh, how messy it was. And you brought up the fact of um, if you ever work with addicts, how seeing it and its natural uh, core affects everyone around us. And uh, me as a, a ex addict, and um, I work with a lot of ex addicts, and I work at a um, halfway house or faith based recovery halfway house. You see these families who are. Um, starting to grow back together and how these uh, effects of sin have just uh, crippled these whole families. You know, their mothers and fathers who have been born again for years and years and years want to love on their uh, children as much as they can, but they, they don't know the right way. Sin has even fractured the, the love of these people, the husbands and wives. You got children who are born into a lifestyle of this through no fault of their own. They don't even know they're doing wrong. Sin at its core is just so deceptive mm. and disruptive in a in a family setting. I love the fact how you brought that up, man. How it was just mm. outright messy and it affects us as a community. And uh, that really hit home today. And you brought up the necessity of the sacrifice. You know what I mean? Which preludes to Jesus Christ and That's right. what yeah. happened on Calvary's cross. Yeah, I mean, if... If sacrifice is inevitable, it's almost like Leviticus is saying, listen, guys, God's saying in Leviticus, listen, guys, y'all are going to sacrifice. I'm just going to now give you insight into what you're already going to do. It's inevitable. You're going to do this. You're going to take that which is valuable and trade it in for something that you see and perceive as um, supremely valuable. That's right. So let me just give you guardrails and guidelines. Because God knew that if they didn't bring their bulls and goats and pigeons to Him, yep. they're going to go sacrifice their children to Moloch. That's right. Come on, right? Come and, on. And there's, there, it was either one <laughs> or the other. Exactly like it wasn't. Yeah. It, it was either one or the other. And He knew that. And He's like, look, I'm going to give you the right way to do this, so you don't go down the and wrong. And so way. that's what we're saying today is that like either, and this is what even David Foster Wallace, being an agnostic, still understood. He said, if you give your, your your sacrifices or sacrifice to something, you give your heart to 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 something, beauty or, or you know, your body or something, you'll die a thousand deaths. Every idol of the heart is going to um, bring you in and it's gonna bring you like death and shame and sadness and pain. Only Christ can actually bring you life because mm. this crisis in the realm of life. He, he brings us, he draws us in. Bobby, what do you have to say? Well, um, so I, I was convicted through this, this sermon about, about how, how we're supposed to sacrifice certain things for the, for the kingdom of God. And oftentimes we can get confused about that. Well, through this internship, we have a lot of duties. I have a lot of things to read. I have a lot of things to study. And um, so oftentimes I've, I, I recognize that I need to sacrifice time with certain things in my life and give, give that over to preparing for this internship, preparing for, 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 for talks I have to have with, with Caleb or Ben and, and um, for reading books that I need to get finished. But oftentimes I can, I can go and study these things and think that I'm sacrificing for the kingdom and then not realize that that. I need to be spending more time with other things mm-hmm. that, that are even more pressing and, and even more important. Like, for example, if I have a family member over that I don't see very often and I need to spend time with, with him mm-hmm. when, uh, whenever I have very little time on the weekends, but I tell myself, oh, I have to get a book finished before, before Sunday for my internship. Well, if I go finish that book, 
if I, I can tell myself I'm sacrificing things that I want to do, but really what I'm doing is I'm getting these sacrifices confused. Mm-hmm. I, what, what I really need to do is be spending time with this, with this family member that needs my attention, that needs my, yeah. that needs my discipleship and my, my love. Mm-hmm. You know, that's interesting. Jesus always was, it, when, he, when he did miracles, when he did so much of his teaching, he was always on the way to do something. He, ha- he had something he was going to do, but he never seemed rushed when he would, somebody would stop him and he would heal or he would minister to them, he would preach. He never seemed rushed. He never just seemed frustrated or, or just overly anxious. And he had the weight of the, of the gospel on his shoulders getting out to the whole world. And uh, it's like what one guy said, he's the, uh, he's the only alpha male in history who did not have a Messiah complex. Come on. <laughs> and the, the irony, he was the Messiah. Uh, but, but that's just a lesson for all of us to, you know, we're, there's always a thousand different things, good things I feel like I could be, I could be doing. I could, I could always be spending more time with you guys as interns. I, I could be spending more time with my staff. There's so many people I need to make phone calls to and so many people I need to go visit. You I got to, seven kids. I got, <laughs> yeah, seven kids last time I counted. I mean, I mean and then I got I to gotta study for sermons. And I get, you know, there's so much. And so life is always um, about wisdom and knowing Okay, what's most valuable at the moment? Mm. And sometimes, it's it's like there's a there's somebody with their ox stuck in the ditch, and mm. I just need to I need to drop it all and help them and not be so focused on the checklist of an agenda. Yeah. And even that right there is a sacrifice because the for me to stay focused on a checklist of an agenda that I've set out is me wanting to be the master of my domain. Mm. And oftentimes, God sovereignly puts people in my path to remind me that I'm not I'm not God. And uh, and I need to take that moment to, to be a blessing to them, whoever that may be. So that's good, good well, deal. Um, yeah. What else did I, you? I thought throw? you were. Fi- I told my wife um, during the middle of the sermon, I leaned over there and I bumped her and I said, "He's fixing to go a broken and contrite heart." She goes, "That would fit good there." You never did get there, but I was like, "Because the true sacrifices of God uh, are broken and contrite heart. These will not he will not despise." Yeah. And um, right when you were in the middle of that, talking about the blood of the bulls and when it was freshly killed, you know, instead of a shot with a bullet, mm-hmm. how messy it was. I said, he's fixing to go there because when we truly see our sin for what it is, how hurtful it is, mm-hmm. it should break our hearts. Mm-hmm. And when we come to God in the right manner with a broken and contrite heart, when we enter his throne room with that demeanor, he won't despise our sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It will be gladly accepted. And that should change us. That should transform us. That should hit us like a brick coming off the second balcony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I don't know any way. I think we need to end with that. Yeah, I don't know any way better that we could like close this up other than a brick coming off the second balcony <laughs> analogy. Well, hey, um, this has been great. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate this. This is really helpful. This is the thing we like to do in um, it, just within the staff to talk about pros and grows and what landed and it helps uh, those who preach become better preachers because we were thinking through what landed on hearts and what did not and uh, so it's been great being with y'all thank you so much and we will meet again next time on Supple Rhythms Mm -hmm.